My Pathway of Faith. And I'm going to start with a quote out of the book. It says, God has made it imperative in the design of life that we become willing to trust beyond ourselves. Walking by faith means to follow someone else who knows more than we do, someone who is also good. A few weeks ago, I finished reading a book, and they, they had a quote in it. I went back and looked it up, and it was by a canon in the Church of England in the early 1900s. And he said, blind trust can prove a brittle thing. However, faith that enables you to live with questions is more robust in the long run. God doesn't expect us to deny that we're having a hard time. We, we don't just say, oh, everything's wonderful when you're really going through a terrible time. We don't just have blind faith and we don't know what we're really believing in. If we have a faith that helps us walk through difficult times, that's what's important. That's a faith that counts and matters. So how do we cultivate the kind of faith that sees us through all of the events of life? Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. The Message Bible puts it this way. People with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole, steady on their feet, because they keep at it and they don't quit. Depend on God and keep at it, because the Lord God, with the Lord God, you have a sure thing. In both of those translations, they tell us to keep our mind on God, to set our mind on God. So let me ask you, what is our mind? Many of us would say it allows us to think. It's like our brain. It's the same thing. So I went looking for the technical difference between a brain and a mind. And here's what I found. A brain is an organ. The mind isn't. The analogy is the brain is like a computer. It's hardwired. It's made to perform a function. The mind is like the software. You need the hardware to run the software, but the hardware isn't much good if it doesn't have any software to run. In other words, the mind, in the mind are the manifestations of thought, perception, emotion, determination, memory, and imagination. It just uses the brain to process these things. Okay, so what? <laughs> you say, well, that's an in interesting English lesson now. Now what? In a spiritual context, Rabbi Zacharias says, what the brain is to the body, the mind is to the soul. Our mind takes spiritual facts, scriptures, words from God and experiences, ours as well as other people's, and it puts them together within our understanding of our knowledge and our moral reason, which means we take what we hear or read about God, we take his precepts, and what we see and experience, and out of all this, we form our moral precept. A precept is a general rule that helps form our behavior and our thought process. Our life, it forms our life code. So what is right? What is good? What's wrong? What's evil? How do we act? How do we think about something? All of those, the mind extrapolates from what we put into it and from what we see and what we, we end up believing. So as Christians, we heard last week that we have to see our life and the world around us filtered through the cross because only filtering life 
Through the sacrifice of Jesus can we know how to live meaningful lives, full of purpose and direction. Only then can we be content and joyful. Only then. Not with all the artificial things the world tells us make us happy, but only when we start at the beginning and we see our life filtered through God's sacrifice. How to accomplish this is what we're going to discuss. <laughs> this becomes a walk of faith. And to walk by faith takes your mind. It seems at times that when we talk about faith, we make it an emotion. We say, we're going to let faith arise. We're, wait, you know, we're just going to let our faith build. Like, it's just going to happen to us. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and like it's an emotion. I feel like I really believe. That's not what faith is. That's an emotion. Faith isn't an emotion. Faith is a mindset. Faith doesn't overtake us. We don't conjure it up. We don't think it into existence. We don't just say, okay, okay, you know, yeah, yeah. And then you say, well, I, I just don't feel God. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think I have enough faith for this instance. You do. You just have to know it. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we're told that we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't wait for faith. We walk by faith. In the Christian vocabulary, faith should be a verb, not a noun. Faith is action. Faith takes action. You have to walk it. You have to step out in it. You can't just sit there and be overwhelmed and wait for it. You have the faith. So how do you build it? We can't walk by feeling or emotions. We talked about that, but you can't do it. We have to walk by knowledge. We walk by trust. And we can only trust someone we know. In other words, if we're going to walk using the lesson title, The Pathway of Faith, we need to have that trust anchored in something or someone. You know, we're told to trust various things in our life. We're told to trust our bank, and then they get hacked into, you know. We're told to trust, um, you know, our insurance company. You know, we're told um, the other day on the TV, you know, they had some fish commercial, and you were told to trust the fisherman that makes the little fish sticks, you know. You can trust the Groden fishermen or something. They banter trust around pretty easily. But our trust as believers is built on Jesus, his death, his resurrection. Only our total belief in these facts gives us the assurance that we can trust God. That's starting at the basics. This type of ultimate trust needs a solid anchor. I can trust God because I know who he is. And I know what he's done, and I know what he says he will do. This is where my mind comes in, and the beginning explanation of what a mind does. It extrapolates knowledge, known facts and experiences to form a plan of action. It takes what we know, and it builds our basis of what we're going to trust. Faith is a thing of the mind. If you do not believe that God is who he says he is, we will be tossed about like a ship without a sail. In the book, they use this excellent example of Noah and the ark. And, um, you know, if you read the story of Noah and the ark, God told Noah exactly how to build the ark. He told him how long it was, how high it was, how wide it was, where to put the window. You know, he told him what kind of wood to use. He told him how to make that wood waterproof. If you were an engineer or an architect, you could take that and you could draw out a blueprint. 
and it would show you how the ark was built. And you would notice right away there wasn't a sail and there was no rudder. Noah was not in control of the ark. God was. Yet we cling to the notion that we can control our lives and only seek God's direction when we're mired down with problems. Like we actually can get through the rest of the time without him. Knowledge of God and his character has to start with his redemptive work on the cross. Then it is reinforced by his word, by scripture. God reveals himself through his word. If we're going to be able to put our ultimate trust in him and walk by faith, we actually need to know his word. We need to know his promises. We need to know what he has done. We need to know what he told people in the past to do. We need to see what he's done. And then we know we can trust him. Isaiah 28.10 tells us that God speaks to his people, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, over and over again so they might learn. You, mo you might notice that God was a little redundant there because it actually is written that way, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, like we're not going to get it because he knows us. He has to keep telling us. That's why when you read in, in his word, he tells us, I mean, how many times did he tell us not to be afraid? I mean, you know, obviously he knows we're going to be afraid because he tells us all the time not to be afraid. He tells us that he's always with us. We live like we're going to learn how to better control our situation, how to better cope with difficulty, and how to control our destiny. There are people making lots of money writing self-help books on how to get what you want, how to achieve success, how to be a better this, how to be a better that. And it's not wrong to improve yourself. God will help you do that. But we can't do it without God. We can't. He can't do it unless we wanted him to do it. But he, we're not going to do it without God. You can read all of the books on how to be a better person. But like Gia showed us last week, what's in the jar is what's going to come out when it gets rattled. And that's what's going to happen. Without trusting God, we're never going to reach our destiny. We're going to be just like the ark. No rudder, no sail. Just bobbing around out there. So how do we learn faith? We decide to trust. We decide not to be afraid. We decide to follow God's direction. I'm not talking about mind over matter. I'm not talking about having a strong moral conviction. I'm talking, or positive thinking. This trust is based on the truth of who God is. There, then it is the action, the act of deciding not to solve my own problems, not to act before I pray, but to wait for God's solution and to walk out my faith, knowing that God is working on my behalf to pray and not be overwhelmed. You can decide in that moment of fear that you're going to praise God, that you're going to listen to praise, that you're going to go to his word. You're going to have that first moment of fear, but you're going to decide to not dwell there. 
because you have faith in who God is and God has told you you don't have to. So you believe God and your mind tells you that you don't have to be afraid. And then you feed that with the reinforcement of what God says in his word. Once again, we know God through his word. We have seen what God does in our lives by looking at our past circumstances or hearing the testimony of others. You could go around this room and everyone could tell you about an instance when they were at a loss and God came through. Everyone could tell you, at least one, most of us lots, because, but that is what our base, that's what we're built on. That is what our pathway is made of. These are the precepts I mentioned it comes down to truth upon truth, scripture upon scripture, situation after situation, victory after victory. That is what builds our foundation. I, I always hate to let an opportunity go by without telling a story about my family because my little niece and nephew are so cute. But I was up north and... Um, celebrating one of my sister's birthdays, and they're her grandkids, so it's my great-nephew and great-niece, and he's four. And we, my sister loves to go for rides in the country. She just loves it, so that's what she wanted to do for her birthday. So my niece and I, the two kids, and my sister all headed out in my niece's SUV, and we went this back road from Livermore over towards San Jose, and we didn't go the direct route, and we were roaming around up in the mountains and one-lane highways and farms and ranches. It was beautiful. Well, my great-nephew is four, like I said, and he, he kind of views himself as a rock collector. So he wanted to get a rock. And there were lots of rocks, but every time we would stop to let him see the sheep or the cows or the goats or whatever was there, there were either little tiny pebbles or big rocks. So he couldn't take any of those. So as we were driving back down, we came to this little stream, and it was about 12 feet off the road, and it didn't have a fence around it. So my niece said, Jacob, you can go get a rock because they had little stream rocks. And so we all get out of the car, and he's walking around, and he's looking. He can't just get a rock. And he's looking at all the rocks, and we're going, how about this one, you know? <laughs> and he's like, no. And his little sister, who's not quite two, doesn't know what we're doing. She's just carrying rocks. So <laughs> she's like, <laughs> So he, he finally, he saw a rock he wanted, but it was down by the water. And it actually rains more in Northern California. It was muddy. And his mom said, Jacob, you're wearing your new shoes. You can't go in the mud. Stay out of the mud. And um, so he's looking around. And he finally walks over and he picks up a rock. And I thought, oh, good, he found his rock. And he comes over and he puts it down in the dirt. And he walks over and he picks up another one. And he puts it down. And pretty soon he has three rocks in a row. And then he has six rocks. And then he's working on his third row. And I said, Jacob, what are you doing? And he says, I'm building a path. And I said, you're doing what? You're building a path? And he goes, I'm going to build a path to the water. And so I thought, what a smart kid. you know? <laughs> and so I told a couple other family members how brilliant this little guy is. And, and, and I didn't think much of it until I was writing this lesson. And I thought, that's what we do. That's it. Those are the precepts. We take a scripture and we put it down. We take an answer to prayer and we put it next to it. We take another scripture and a promise and a situation and something we've read and a story and we put them down. That's our path. That's our anchor. That's what keeps us out of the mud is the things that we know about God. And I thought, you know, God's not asking us to do this in blind faith. 
or, or a trust anchored in nothing. He wants us to depend upon what we know about him, not what we feel about him. Because sometimes we don't feel very good about him. Because we're like, what are you doing? And yet he says, I know what I'm doing. My word tells you that you can trust me. And we take those. We take that precept after precept after precept. They form our life. They form our walk. We can't trust our feelings. We can only trust what we know. So what do we know? That God loves us so much he died for us. That's a given. That's the starting point. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his love for, toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We weren't even worthy to be died for. We weren't some good, moral, upstanding person that somebody would step forward for. God could see down through eternity, and we were sinners. But Christ died for us anyway, because he loved us. Then Jesus rose from the dead, guaranteeing our destiny. John 14, 3, Jesus tells us that if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. My situation for eternity is guaranteed. I mean, that's better than a reverse mortgage, you know? <laughs> Jesus says, I want you to come live with me. I already paid the price. You just have to come live with me. That's assurances for sure. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I live in Christ because Christ is in me. My life is his. And I live it that way. That's what we need to say to ourselves. Psalms 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. We're not walking alone in the dark. It only seems like it sometimes. But we know we aren't because he tells us we aren't. And that's what you count on. If we walk this pathway, we do not need to be overwhelmed by emotions when circumstances disappoint us or when friends and family fail us, when we're betrayed, when we're rejected, when we're feeling alone. We can trust God's word. Proverbs 18.24 says, A person who has friends can be harmed by them. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So who is that friend? It's Jesus. He tells us he never leaves us and forsakes us. He tells us he's always with us. The scripture inside the main sanctuary says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. How was Jesus? Read it in his word. He tells us how he, who he was. He tells us what he did. He's the same. He's not going to change. In the Old Testament, it makes us, God makes a statement. He says, I am God. I change not. God doesn't change. Everything around us changes. Our world has changed so much in the last five, six years. It's astounding. God doesn't change. How do you get through those circumstances when you just can't believe you're going to live through them? When your heartache you have a heartache that you can't imagine will ever go away or a situation you think will crush you. Those times when you think joy will never return, you remember the cross. You remember God's love for us. 
And then you remember the resurrection and the fulfillment of God's promise. Because everything he promised was fulfilled in the resurrection. In the book, Rabbi quotes the 23rd Psalm, and each line is elaborated. And, and I'm going to read those because I think it's really good. It's the Lord is my shepherd. That's relationship. I shall not want that supply. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. That's refreshment. He restores my soul. That's healing. He guides me in the path of righteousness. That's guidance for his name's sake. That's purpose. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's testing. I will fear no evil. That's protection. For you are with me. That's faithfulness. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's discipline. You take a table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's hope. You anoint my head with oil. That's consecration. My cup overflows. That's abundance. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That's blessing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That's security forever. That's eternity. It's all there in that one psalm. Everything we need in life, God has said he would do. And it's not just that one psalm. It's throughout the Bible. Everything we need. We need a place to hide. He's our hiding place. We need joy. He tells us that the joy comes in the morning. God has promised it all to us. Romans 12, 1 and 2, we are told to present our bodies a living sacrifice by the renewing of our minds. It's our choice how we think. What we dwell on, what we see, what we hear, our choice. When we decide to fill our thoughts with God, when we pursue God and his actions, when we pursue what God wants, our actions, our attitudes, our life will change. What we see, what we hear will change. It'll have to because we're filling our life with God. We're going to become more Christ-like. I borrowed a quote, quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. I have to admit I changed one word. So it's, one's faith is not best expressed in words. It is expressed by choices one makes. The choices we make are ultimately our responsibility. We choose, we decide. If we decide we're going to start with the cross, that our precepts are anchored on God, that he's our foundation, he's our pathway, then we're going to have the right view of life. If we start with philosophy or political correctness or the worldview, we're going to have a skewed view of morality. We're going to have a skewed view of what we do and who we love. But if we build our foundation on what God says and what he tells us we can trust in, that faith is going to take over because we're going to decide to walk it out. And then we're going to see things through his eyes. The book states, the love, of, the love of God shows us that God alone bridges the distance between him and us, enabling us to see this world through Calvary. If you don't think, if you don't see it that way, then you will never see it his way. The threads of the masterpiece he is weaving in our lives will always pull away from his design. You have to start at the right spot. 
I think only when we realize what price God was willing to pay for our redemption will we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we can trust him. And only in trusting him to be who he is can we truly walk a walk of faith. Can faith rule our life only when we start with him? Because we know no matter what, we can trust God. Joshua said, choose you this day who you're going to serve. And you know, it's our choice. It's our decision. Joshua said, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. So I guess I'd like to leave you with just what is your choice? What's your decision? Where's your starting point? You know, walk it out. Because it makes life an awful lot easier knowing you're walking with God. Thank you. That is awesome. Thank you, Amelie. We have